Hi, this is Tom Brevoort, and you are listening to the Captain America Comic Fans Podcast. Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to episode 161 of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. I'm Rick Verbanis. I am your host today, and as always, I'm joined by this this guy called bob lucius he's the best gosh darn co-host out there oh bob zippity doo da, zippity day my oh my what a wonderful day plenty of sunshine heading my way zippity doo da, zippity day wow okay <laughs> That was quite a rendition. Uh, yeah. Rick. Yeah. Is yeah. That, I don't know. Was that Uncle Seamus? Who was that? From... Uh, yeah. Well, that is that is from uh, that Disney movie, right? Yeah. I know it's a Disney flick, right? It's sort of a combination animation live yeah, action. Yeah. Songs of the South. Songs, Songs of the, of the South. South. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. yeah it was from was from that movie. But uh, Bob, why, why am I why am I singing that to you today? Was it because it features a lot of Z's? Could be, Bob. Could be. Yes, yeah. we are. We are returning to the escape from Dimension Z for one final time. Woo! Wow. This is volume seven, issue 10 from 2013. So, yeah, this is uh, we're, we're in part 10. We, you know, for those who are just new to the show. Uh, I'm going to have to tell you, you're going to be a little behind. We've uh, we've been tackling this 10 part story in over the course of 10 episodes. And we do it uh, typically the second Wednesday of every month, starting uh, earlier this year in January. And here it is October. And we're finally working our way through it. And man, it has been one heck of a story. So I thought, Bob, listen, I have done. All my openings have been a Z related, right? I did a, I did a ZZ Top song. I did movies like uh, Zorro the Gay Blade and Zapped, and I did Ziggy Stardust. I did uh, what else? I I did the Cranberry Zombie, right? I I've done yeah, I, that was forgettable. Did that. Uh, Sean Connery movie. I I I'm really running out of things to do. But yeah. I thought this was apropos because you know in the Dimension Z everything is just it's a wonderful day. There's plenty of sunshine. I've got a bluebird on my shoulder. It's a beautiful place. And uh, and yeah. I figured you know why not yeah. why not go there? No shortage of blood. It's a mm -hmm. fabulous place. Yeah. 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 Fun loving mutates. Yeah, you know, right? Yeah, good yeah. Thing. I got a mutate on my shoulder. Uh, <laughs> right. right? Yeah. yeah, beautiful, absolutely yeah. beautiful. Uh, all right, Bob, are you are you excited for this? Or are you a little? Uh, yeah. It's like bittersweet. It is bittersweet. I'm facing I'm facing this evening with a bit of trepidation, Rick, because as as I've said before, I said last last episode that. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've been at this for nine issues already, and it's a great story arc 
Uh, and as, as I've said again and again, again, not one that I loved initially, but one that I have fallen in love with throughout the course of, uh, of these podcasts. And mm -hmm. yeah, it's a little bit sad to, to see it come to a close, but you know, as that, uh, as that, uh, is there a song? I think there's a song. I don't, I'm getting them mixed up, but like for every door that closes, you know, one opens or something like that. And I know there's going to be a great story ahead for us at some point. So why be sad, right? Why not look at this as uh, a wonderful experience, but there'll be another one ahead. So <laughs> way to sell this story. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know what? Uh, we're, you know, there's always something better on the horizon. Well, I'm just saying it's hard. It's going to be hard to top this, but I know there's going to be something great down the road. In fact, right. I love the arc right after this one as well. So, and we did. We actually covered that. It was the nuke story in uh, episode sixty-six. Mm -hmm. But <clears throat> yeah, anything before we get into this, uh, you know, it's funny about. I was looking at, um, uh, you know, we I re we record this through Spotify, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, they changed their format. So now when I look on something, an episode, it pops up, and I start getting metrics. And I never really paid too closely to the metrics mm -hmm. before, and. Um, you're more inches and in, in, in feet. Yeah, <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> uh, anyway, so no, the um, the uh, the metrics on on our episodes. Um, what percentage do you think skips the beginning? <laughs> <laughs> like they just skips like the first 15, 20 minutes as you and I just jabber jaw about what's going on in our lives. I would say. Mm hmm. Um, there are probably three people who listen to that jibber jabber. So I'm going to go with 97%. 97% skip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you'd be wrong. Uh, really? it's somewhere like, uh, on average, somewhere between 10 and 20%. Okay. That's skip. Yeah. That's skip. Well, that's surprising. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, wow. now ask me how many stay on to the very end. Well, that's a different matter. Yeah, I'm totally also wondering how many just fell asleep and forgot to skip. I hope not, because they, they you know, a lot of them are driving or <laughs> exercising or doing something. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So anyway, that tells us, Bob, mm. that you know, uh, it, for those people out there, because you know, we 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 put those polls out there about you know, should we just kind of get to the comics? And we had a few people who were like, yeah, you should just do that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we had one on the show, Catman. So, uh, you know, he, yeah. he that's, that's what he would prefer. And he's probably one of those that just kind of skips over this. So he's probably not hearing this right now. So I, yeah. I, I'm not I'm not too worried. <laughs> but, uh, but that, you know what? It sounds like a lot of people don't mind hearing about our everyday shenanigans and, and so forth. Yeah. So wow. Bob- Tell me what's been going on or not. I, I, I saw something. Were you on TV? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I've been really trying hard to, 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 to get the nonprofit that, that I lead uh, some additional coverage, some exposure out in the community. And so I had the opportunity this morning to have Jessalyn from ABC seven uh, take a hike with me this morning at, at uh, basically around sunrise out at uh, one of our trail systems and uh, with, uh, with her cameraman and, and drones and all that sort of stuff. And it was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And so she does a segment called wild about Southwest Florida that uh, uh, this particular episode will be on next Monday. So yeah, it was great. Now we actually saw a, uh, we saw a bear walked uh, right across the trail in front of us, which completely freaked them out. 
So that was neat. And there's a black other, bear, right? There's a black bear. Yeah. Florida black bear, perfectly harmless. You know, they, mm -hmm. they, they don't bother anybody. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was it's neat. perfectly harmless. Perfectly harmless. <laughs> so Mike Rabiglia has this, uh, this bit and he talks about when he goes into the, into the woods and, uh, and encountering a bear and he, um, he was really worried about that happening. And so when he went and uh, to the office beforehand, you know, they do these tours and like the ranger or whatever gave him like this pamphlet and, you know, what to do, you know, when a bear attacks and you had like a little bell you wore and things like that. And then you could play dead. And he was just like, I'm not going to play dead. It's, I think that's like a really big leap of faith to take, you know, like here's yeah. this bear coming at you and you're yeah. just going, I'm going to lay down and, uh, and, and then the bear just starts mauling you and the bear's thinking to himself, did he read the pamphlet? <laughs> and you're just laying there, you know, and you're like, uh, well, it's just a matter of time before he leaves me alone. That's a lot of blood. That's a lot of <laughs> What's that gnawing sound? By the way, Rick, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I can't let this go. So uh, through the magic of editing, what you just heard was Rick readily uh, come up with the name of that comedian off the top of his head. But that's not what happened in real life. <laughs> what happened in real life was Rick leaned back in his chair after scratching his chin for a while and went, honey, honey, what's the name of that funny guy? You know, the one <laughs> we just saw. <laughs> so, Yeah. So I, you know, today, Rick, I, I went, I got all dressed up. I went, you do realize I can edit all that out. Right? <laughs> no, I know. I know. But I went to a very fancy cocktail reception tonight for these wealthy philanthropists and I got all dressed up, you know, combed my hair, shaved, you know, put on my best attire and uh -huh. showed up, you know, showed up as I do like 30 minutes early and sat in the parking lot and waited, you know, and got my business cards ready and everything ready to go. My elevator speech at 510 because it started at five and I don't want to be the first one there, but I also don't want to be late. So I go in at 510 and I go up to the front desk and I'm like, I'm here for the social event uh for <laughs> Gulf Shore business and he said well you're 24 hours late because it was yesterday oh, so I was like oh, oh man no. I cannot believe I forgot the date for this mm. thing so so it, it makes me feel good that you have forgotten the name of a comedian that you just took your family to oh it was weeks in, ago. it was no it wasn't weeks. it was it was like three months ago but anyway oh, okay all right yeah yeah we've seen a few shows since then in fact this past um Friday or Saturday, this past Saturday, um, we went and saw John Cleese. Oh, I saw that on yeah, your, for Monty your, Python. your yeah. Facebook presence. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's old. I mean, he's like 80 something now. And, mm -hmm. um, but he's, I I've always wanted to see him. He's always been a, a major favorite of mine. And, you know, I would say for decades and he, he was touring, uh, as of last year. And I wanted to see it, but it was on a night that, you know, I had my daughter and I didn't want to, didn't want to miss out an opportunity to spend time with my daughter. So I was just like, all right, well, we didn't, we weren't, we won't do it. And, and I really, uh, you know, I was like, he's old, he's not going to be able to do this again. And then sure enough, this year he's touring again. And I was like, jumped on it. So I got us really good seats and uh my wife and i went on on saturday night and it was he was good it was good it was he was funny um 
you know, uh, he showed clips from Monty Python and some other things as well. His daughter was there to like go through like Q and a and stuff like that. It was, it was a fun night. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. I saw you posted, I think a photo or two of that and uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Neat. Good for you, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a good tour uh, this year for, for seeing uh, comedians, but Mike Berbiglia, Yeah. He's definitely one of my all time favorites, my wife too. Um, and we, we, we saw him like, yeah, I don't know, like August or something like yeah. that. Maybe it was July, but yeah. Awesome. Would you can, would you consider it memorable? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't understand the question, Bob. Because <laughs> you couldn't, you couldn't remember his name. It was a play on words. Oh, so, oh, oh, you were, you yeah. were trying to be funny. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, hold on. Let me, let me, I can edit that out. <laughs> no, Bob. No, leave it in. Leave oh, it in. Oh, Bob, that was great. Leave it in. Leave oh, you're in. so funny. I am. <laughs> oh, you were, you were trying to play on my lack of memory and then you use the, use that that word memorable mm-hmm. oh Bob. i just i love the fact that you're uh you you and i can both commiserate our fading memories it just <laughs> feels good feels good to not be in that boat by myself well you know it's going to be one of those things where uh we we're capturing this all and so when we get you know really old uh we can always go back and listen to these and be like i have no recollection no of recollection. having this conversation whatsoever <laughs> <laughs> yes who's uh, captain america who yeah um uh bob i would love to give you um the latest apple review still no review it's oh been, my been months bob it's it it's actually been i think i've seen mike berbiglia since <laughs> since we we've gotten a review on apple yeah gosh you know, we've said his name, or you said his name now uh, several times. He should be giving us a review. He really should. You know, just as a courtesy. I tell you what. No, uh, shout and out John Cleese. And by the way, do you know that it's John Cleese, not John Cleese? Well, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, it rhymes yeah. with cheese. It was uh, it was in his autobiography that, or I don't know if it was auto, but it was a biography that I read like 25 years ago about him. And uh, I learned that it's John Cleese, like cheese. Huh. I did not know that. So today is complete. I'd like to learn at least one new thing a day. Oh, did you lose a penguin? <laughs> yeah, the penguin jumped off on that one. Ah! Yeah. All right, Bob. Well, you know what? I, I, I want to give this last this last part of this story uh, all of its due because I want to I want to go through it and then I want to talk about it afterwards. And I want to talk about the series as a whole. Um, so let's, uh, what do you say we get to this this issue? All right, let's jump in. All right. So the Captain America Volume 7, number 10, uh, had a cover date of October 2013. So uh, if you were in uh, the comic shop 10 years ago, this was on the stands. Had a release date of August 28, 2013. And the creators, um, you know, same as has been for the most part, uh, Rick Remender as the writer, John Romita Jr. as the penciler, Inker, uh, Inkers, I should say, uh, Klaus Johnson and Tom Palmer, colorist Dean White, letterer Joe Caramanga, and then editor 
Tom Brevoort. Would you like me to read the solicitation? You know I would, Rick. The shocking Dimension Z finale. After over a decade in Dimension Z, Captain America must make his final push to escape. But at what cost? Enter Godzola. A shocking death and an action-packed conclusion that will leave Cap changed forever and leave you gasping for air. Wow. Well, that's compelling. I know. Yeah. That would right. have me picking up this issue and or putting a pre-order for it. All right. Well, what's uh, what's on the cover, Bob? You gonna take take the listeners <clears throat> through the cover? All right. Well, uh, it's a pretty dynamic cover, Rick. I think we can agree on that. And and we've got uh, we've got Jet Black and uh, we've got Captain America riding one of those uh, Zolandia uh, sky cycles. Now it's a it's an odd looking sky cycle because it looks like the exhaust is uh, is coming out the back, but uh, maybe they're maybe they're turned around and they're they're actually moving in the direction away from the reader. That's, that's, I can't quite figure out uh, the um, what's going on here. Mm -hmm. um, although we see shards of glass, so it looks like they just burst through this big pane of glass, and so there's shards of glass everywhere uh, in front of them. So presumably they're they're moving in our direction. So as I said, we've got Jet Black, and she's on the back of this jet cycle, and she's sort of crouched over, and she's got her her, her Omni staffs in each hand, and Cap is crouched in front of her, and he's he's controlling this this jet cycle. I'm not quite sure uh, how it it actually gets steered because he's got his left hand on what looks to be a parking brake. So presumably that is how you steer this thing. And in his right hand is the smallest Captain America shield I've ever seen. <laughs> it's true. Yes, the the dimensions are a little small. bit on, on that shield. Mm. And it's an interesting look on, uh, on Cap's visage. He's, he's, of course, he's got his shaggy uh, beard and mustache uh, mm -hmm. in, uh, uh, in this cover. He's been there 10 years, but it has a remin it, it, it's reminiscent of that cover. Do you remember Captain America 1976? I think it was issue four the one to 50 variant of Captain America living legend by uh, Francesco Franco Villa. And it was the, it was the sort of the 1976 version of cap mm. with, the, with yeah. the shaggy beard. He's, he's got that. He's rocking that look here. Mm -hmm. uh, and then behind them, um, we don't know what they're facing, what they're looking at. Um, it may well be what's reflected in that pane of glass that apparently they just broke through, but it looks to be Arnim Zola but a very huge version of Arnim mm. Zola. So I don't know. I'm, I'm interested in jumping into this book and finding out exactly what's going on. You know, the other thing you kind of left out, Bob, was uh, when you said uh, Jet Black. Now, who's Jet Black again? Well, that is one of Arnim Zola's two genetically cloned, mutated children. Okay. Ian being the other one mm -hmm. uh, and Jet Black uh, being the elder one, uh, the female. Mm -hmm. How old would you say she is, Bob? I would say she is in her mid twenties, maybe. Okay, all right, sure. See that maybe early twenties. Mm -hmm. uh, and how would you describe her outfit, Bob? I would say it is very almost non-existent. Um, so you know, as we've talked about on many occasions. Uh, oh, she... just let's pretend, listeners, this is the first <laughs> time they're ever ever listening to this. All one. right. Well, she is wearing uh, what appears to be a very tiny black halter top, 
mm-hmm. uh, and black bikini briefs. And then uh, strategically placed along her limbs are these uh, swatches of black cloth uh, mm-hmm. around her thighs, around her calves, around her forearms, upper arms. And they're all connected by very thin strips of, of black material running both vertically and horizontally. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as we, we, we've talked about before, she's got these omnisense powers that allows her to, uh, to accentuate uh, exponentially one or more of her, her natural senses. And so exposing her skin in this way, apparently, is what she needs to do in order to bring mm-hmm. these omnisenses into play. It's also mm-hmm. very visually appealing. I think you would agree. Mm. And when you say she's exposing her skin... Is there anything standing out to you in this cover, Bob? Well, she isn't wearing shoes, as I can tell. So mm-hmm. her toes are definitely exposed, which seems sure. would be very uncomfortable, uh, particularly yeah. in Zoolandia. There's a lot of debris. Well, her toes yeah. are sticking out, but she's got something covering the bottom of her sole of her foot and the Does ball she? of her foot. I, yeah. I don't know. I, I couldn't. I can't. I can't make that uh, determination from this image. But she's got gloves, so she's mm. holding her omni staffs, and she's sure. got that very loki-like uh headgear with, yeah yeah sure. uh, um i don't know why it has a v on it but uh you think it would be a z but uh interestingly oh i think you might be referring to the fact that i, I did mention she's got a very small um black halter top that seems mm-hmm. it might might have been given to her when she was 13 <laughs> it's no it's no longer age appropriate <laughs> so uh-huh she, she, she didn't, there's no forever 21 to run down to in Zolandia to, you know, to get a wardrobe upgrade, apparently. What in the world were they thinking, drawing her like this? Like well, I know she, what they were, I know what I, they were thinking, right? But what was, what was the uh, Tom Brewer? What was he thinking, uh, approving this? She is falling out yeah, of yeah. her, her top. Yeah. They were thinking, ching <laughs> <laughs> That's what they were thinking. It yeah. is uh, a little excessive, it shall is. we say. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, nicely done on the cover. Now, um, one thing at the bottom, it has this whole like red strip at the bottom. This is Marvel, and then it has bonus digital edition, and then it has the AR. Now, the AR stands for augmented reality, and they had this Marvel app that you could uh, use and, and open up the camera on the Marvel app over the anything any page is the ar and then up would pop like um you know uh maybe a video maybe an interview with the creators who are like talking about that particular page maybe some additional stuff going on so it's kind of cool um and i was, was, I was, it was big for a while yeah that augmented reality i used to have a star wars app on my phone that had, about that time that had augmented reality oh yeah yeah yeah, well, they Marvel gave it up. I think it was like in 2015, like the, the AR app was no longer available. So I guess they just weren't getting the amount of yeah. hits to make it worthwhile for the extra effort and time and money you know, yeah. put into putting in the extras. Um, but anyway, uh, it was kind of cool. All right, let's get to the first page when you open up, and it is the recap. Now, Bob, you have traditionally read every single one of these recaps. I can't go against tradition, Bob. Will yeah, you who, do who do, do me the do me the favor of doing this last recap? I, I will do my best, Rick. I will do my best. We can do no less. Previously, 
Through the evil machinations of Arnim Zola, Captain America was trapped in the wasteland of Dimension Z for over a decade. In his initial escape from Zola's clutches, Cap rescued an infant, who he then raised as his own son, Ian. But Zola reclaimed Ian and brainwashed him against Steve. In the confrontation between father and son, Ian was killed by Sharon Carter, who had come to Dimension Z to rescue Steve. Devastated by the loss of his son, Steve resolved to not only stop Zola, but rescue Zola's daughter, Jet Black, who was swayed by Steve's compassion and defected from her father's influence. As Zola's citadel flew towards Earth with an army of mutates geared to spread Zola's consciousness, Cap fought Zola and proved victorious. When mutate henchmen tried to crush Jet with a falling boulder, Zola sacrificed himself to push his daughter out of the way. With his dying breath, he urged Jet to carry on his legacy. Very nice. Yeah, it was, um, you know, I, I, I first of all, I remember talking about how in the last episode for the last issue that I have never seen Steve Rogers more physically um, at, at his lowest physically um, before this. And I, I don't think I've ever seen him emotionally uh, at lower than he has been right so mm -hmm. and that's and that's where we're at right uh he's he's seen his adoptive son die um he he has been beaten to you know i'm surprised he's still standing mm -hmm. and um so that's that's what's going on with steve and then you have jet who turned on her father and witnessed her father killed and now is you know uh grieving over that and the shock of that because that's just what happened right mm -hmm. and then you got sharon carter who showed up and she was like listen steve you were only here for like 30 minutes and uh so time obviously we now know moves differently in dimension z than it does uh in in our world yeah. So those are, you know, some of the things that were just kind of, you know, I guess part of the cliffhanger. Right. And I, I and he's still not at the point where I think he fully accepts what Sharon is telling him that he has only been gone for mm -hmm. just a few brief minutes and, mm -hmm. and that 10 years has not in fact transpired and that this has all been some sort of illusion generated by Zola. Mm -hmm. um, so he, and that's still got to be very emotionally draining and, and you're right. He's got stabbed. He's got slashed. He's got cut. He's been beaten and bruised. He is, you know, probably been hungry for 10 years. And so he is physically drained and beaten down. And then he's just seen his own son mm -hmm. killed right before his eyes. Mm -hmm. I mean, this guy, I, I don't think we can point to a single time, probably throughout the history of cap where he is at this low of a point. All right, so we open up to the first page, and we see right where we left off. We see the the gigantic Zola, uh, arm you know, robotic body demolished, um, and then we see Jet on her knees, holding her her mouth as she's crying, and Steve and Sharon trying to to comfort her now steve has his shield on his back he's got bandages uh you know because again remember his face he's got one eye shut you know just 
because of uh, the damage. He's got bandages around his forehead, his shoulders, his mid midsection, his back. Because remember, Ian put that jagged um, shield into his back. And then you have Sharon there, who's basically trying to get this whole uh, this whole thing moving because of the urgency of what's going on with Zemo's battle station going about to go through the portal to go to Earth to infect every living creature with a Zola, um, some sort of you know presence. Jet, I know this is hard. I know, but we have to go. I betrayed him, betrayed my heritage. He died to save me. Why? Why would he do that? And she looks at Steve with tears in her eyes. He was manipulating you to his very last word. It's what he does. Don't let him win. Help me save Earth. Come back with me. Ian, we can't leave him. Have to find him. He's still inside. And Steve grabs her shoulders. No, Jet, listen to me. Ian, he's... Cap can't pull himself to say it, but he doesn't have to. Jet can see it in his eyes. And her eyes well up with tears. Next page, she says, no. Not him too. And Sharon... Ever the pragmatic, she looks at what's going on with the battle station and, and uh, going towards the portal. And so she says, I'm sorry, but we have to go. If we haven't made it to the cave portal leading home when I detonate that battle station, we will all be blown right to hell. And I will not allow that thing to get through the earth, even if it means we all die. So we have to get to the portal before I pull this trigger. And she pulls out the detonator from a from a pouch. And Jet gets in her face. You've rigged my homes with explosives? Your home is a mobile battle station on its way to deliver a payload horde of mutates to Earth. You're damn right I did, sister. I have been a fool. And she punches Sharon in the gut. And then she takes the detonator out of her hand. I will not allow you to detonate your explosives. And she goes to jump on one of those sky cycles. I will not allow you to destroy my home, nor my father's consciousness stored within. Stop. You helped stop him for all the right reasons. I never intended for him to die. And she flies off in the, in the cart. And so Steve and Sharon run to jump on another one. Come on. So they get on and they chase after her. And Jet's talking to herself. Because she's in shock. Find some other way. And Sharon says to Steve, if she destroys that detonator, she won't. She's confused in shock, but she's seen through Zola's lies. But watching him die in front of her, she's been through so much, Sharon. The damage done to her mind is unimaginable. But she knows he was evil, knows he was wrong. She'll do the right thing, given a chance. And they pull up next to her. Jet, stop, listen to me. If we don't destroy the battle station, 
The cost will be billions of innocent lives. You know what those mutates intend to do. You can't allow that kind of atrocity. She is a Zula pig. Atrocity is her right of birth. And who is it, Bob? Oh, my God. If I, I thought we did away with him, but here he is, Captain Zolandia, riding one of those sky cycles uh, with dozens of mutates on their own sky cycles in trail. It feels like something out of a Star Wars movie. <laughs> right? Because yeah. the battle station is is floating up, you know, uh-huh. uh, skyrocketing up to the portal. Uh, all of these, you know, little riders are coming out to intercept um cap and sharon i'm not sure if it's a if it's a star wars thing or maybe is it you know what it has the order flash it, it, gordon yeah there it is yeah yeah remember the flash gordon yeah flash. Me- <laughs> ah. yeah and they were all on those sky cycles right you know with yeah. the, bird, the bird man you know yeah. all right Birdman dive. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah, yeah. Right. And even the colors have that feel. Wasn't it Mongo or something? Ming's floating. Oh yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. stuff. Right. Yeah. But even the, the light colors with the little uh-huh. orange and everything. I right? like that kind of has that feel to it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah all right. So, uh, so he's coming up on, on Steve and Sharon and Steve's like, dear God. And then the mutates start firing their, the i guess the the little lasers of some sort that are coming from the actual things that they're riding kill drill for zola drink the pain tender murder delicious taste and the and it makes noises bob it sure does zack zap steve talk jet down don't hurt her i'll buy time and he jumps off his sky cycle with Sharon onto Captain Zolandia's sky cycle. And they come up and the two shields hit each other, making a noise, Bob. Yes, let us finish the great debate. And then uh, Sharon's riding, and then the other sky cycles are chasing her. This, this is where I guess I was having the Star Wars thing. This is kind of like you know, when they're on the little land speeder type of things, uh, like on uh, oh, right, the right. indoor, yeah. right? Yeah. Going through the woods, right? Uh, and they're firing on her, Bob. Oh. And then Sharon turns and she fires her gun. And she, uh, she gets one of them. And they blow into the side of the, of the cavern. And a big, big explosion. Um, And then so Sharon catching up with with Jet. If that station gets to Earth, it's the death of billions of innocent people. Can you comprehend that? They will not die. My father will live forever within the life of Earth. He will improve their lot. He will overwrite their minds. That is murder. Steve says you won't let that happen, and he's never wrong about a person. Captain America's morality has cost me enough. My father's consciousness is stored within that station. I cannot allow you to kill what remains of him, not after my betrayal. She's still crying. You were a victim of one of the vilest minds I've ever known, Jet. He's poisoned your thoughts, but you clearly see through it. 
you understand the difference between right and wrong. If Zola's army invades my world, you'll be the villain who helped him infect and subjugate my people. Is that who you want to be? And, uh, and Jet doesn't have a, any answer for that. She just looks at her with tears in her eyes. Cut to the next page, Bob. And Captain Zelandia and Steve are fighting on the jet cycle still. I remember our mother as she died. I remember the shame in her eyes looking upon her frail child. She wasn't ashamed of me. She was afraid of leaving me alone. And Cap takes his shield and he just sticks it in Zolandia's face right at the eye level. I mean, like the shield is probably six inches into his head. Well, although where I come from, that's more like 12 inches. <laughs> yeah. okay. It makes a noise, Bob. Shunk! But I made sure she never did made sure to carry her strength with me. And if you actually shared my memories, you'd know better than to think that words could erode that. And he jumps off the sky cycle of leaving the blind Captain Zolia to run into the mountain and blow up. And it makes a really loud noise, Bob. <laughs> and Cap falls, but guess who catches him? Get black! That's right. Grab hold. And he he does. He he lands right behind her on the sky cycle. And he looks up at her and says, knew you'd come around. Now let's get to the portal home and blow these monsters to. And then coming out underneath the flames underneath the battle station is an is a is our words. You have failed me utterly, daughter. You have failed your final test. Failed to earn your name. Failed to move past weakness. And we're starting to see an image of something come to life underneath the flames, Bob. But we turn the page and there's this gigantic splash page. It's actually, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a vertical splash page so instead of typically what we see horizontal it is a vertical splash page so it's two-thirds on one panel and one-third on the other panel and i guess john romero jr did this to really accent the enormity in the height of this new zola that's crazy rick this this, this zola is ginormous he is ginormous he really is yeah he's probably like 10 stories tall. Right. We're talking like Statue of Liberty here. Mm -hmm. You have failed, Zola. Father, you, now you will die with the rest. And lasers come out of his eyes. Now, first of all, he doesn't look like the typical Zola here. Maybe you could describe how he looks, Bob. Yeah, well, I mean, one of the key differences is, you know, in the traditional Zola, we 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 know that he doesn't have a head, right? And his right. face is embedded in his chest. But in, in this version of Zola, that that chest is like a like a like a an armored plate, 
and uh, extending from about midway through the chest up, you know, maybe to the height of what a person's neck would be. You mm -hmm. see almost a, a, like a ghostly head embedded in that space. So it, it, it does extend past, you know, what we think were Zola's shoulders. So that's something that's unusual we haven't seen before. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and generally, you know, for Zola, that, that chest thing, you know, is, is a way to protect you know, the face, the consciousness, but here it's, it's almost like it's, uh, it's very much like a human being. And, uh, and he's got very long arms that uh, are mechanical, you can see the, the cables stretching from his shoulders down to the upper arms, down through the lower arms into his fingers. Uh, and in the same, it almost looks like actually his legs almost look like he's wearing riding chaps. Hmm. Uh, but they are they are spiked uh, in many places. And then, of course, you see the cabling connecting his torso and his legs and, and, and as I said, his arms. So he's a he's a very interesting behemoth. Indeed. And he's now trying to kill Jet along with Steve and Sharon. And it hits the the rider that Sharon's on. And so she goes flying. Sharon, hold on. And he grabs Sharon. And uh, it's one of those grabs where he, he's got her wrist. She's got her, his wrist. Now, I got to imagine that's got to be agony for him. Like he's, he's falling apart here, yeah. you know, and, to, you know, she's, she's got to weigh, I don't know. What do you think she weighs? Like 130? Probably 130. She's a muscular yeah. lady. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that's gotta be, uh, yeah, that's gotta be really tough on him, and also in the fact that Jet Black is going straight up, you know, it, right. there's even more uh, force here for her. Right. Yeah. And then Zola goes on to fire at them. So much time wasted on you, my daughter. So many failed opportunities to earn your name. I loved you with all of my heart. And you chose to side with my greatest enemy. You shall, you chose frailty over power. Punch it yet. He's almost on us. And there's all these misses going around, but it's hitting the, the side of the mountain as they're, uh, as they're going straight up and explosions are everywhere, Bob. They are. Zap, boom. You chose weakness and compassion over the father who gave you life. The father who offered you the world. Sharon, the detonator. Activate the explosives. We're too close. We'd all die. There's no sense in that. And she smiles at him. What, what are you doing? Hold on to me. Looks like you're avoiding the altar yet again, Rogers. And then she makes her hand skinny to fall out of her glove that Steve was holding. I love you. Sharon! And so she lands on the, the shoulder of this gigantic Zola. She pulls a weapon out of her holster. It's good to see you alive, Zola. Our encounter will be quite brief, Agent Carter. I was disappointed in the lame way you checked out. I knew it was too heartfelt to be genuine. And most importantly, I was hoping to have a hand in the kill. And she fires it right into his face. And he yells, For whatever the hell you've done to Steve, 
and to watch you die knowing you failed, knowing Steve got away, and your daughter with him, to watch you die in the same explosion that erases all of your work, all of your plans to invade Earth. And she pulls out the detonator, and she clicks the button. And we cut to Steve and Jet still going straight up to the portal. Turn it around. We have to get to her. Turn this damn thing. But after she clicks it, of course, there's an explosion. And she says, as the explosion's going off, and most importantly, that I get to pull the trigger, you rotten son of a bitch. And there's a gigantic explosion, Bob. Oh, my! there sure is, Rick. There sure is. Does it make a noise? It does not. You don't think it makes a noise? Well, it may, um, but it's probably too loud to hear. Oh, that's why there's no sound effect? Yeah, yeah. But it is the next page, and it's like a 80% splash page, so it is um, to show the, the amount of explosion. Now, you have Steve and Jet on the Sky Cycle still going straight up, going towards the portal. Steve has... Uh, he takes his shield, puts it on his back to protect the both of them. And then they land and basically crash land and roll out of the, uh, you know, uh, away from the cycle. And Steve looks back, Sharon. And he starts running back towards the closing portal. She's gone. The blast was too great. The portal is unstable. No. Not like this. I'm not losing her to him. And so we turn the page and he looks through the portal. Now, how long would you say they've been there? Five, 10 seconds? Right. Yeah, probably no more than that. Yeah. Yeah. And he goes through the portal and he sees what? What does he see, Steve? Well, I'm not Steve, but. Um... Oh. Yes. What does he see, Bob? Yes. Well, he, he looks down on the destruction that was caused by the exploding battle station and all the, the debris left over. But instead of just seeing the debris left over, he sees that it has been overgrown with, with plants, like foliage. It clearly, the years have gone by and plants have moved in and, and taken over. Yeah, again, time goes differently here right yeah so he looks and he has a look of shock on his face and he realizes gone gone for years and just then uh you see an arm come from the other side of the portal and it's jet black pulling him back no and then steve on the next page as he's getting pulled back by jet black let me go the tunnel is collapsing. Go. If you die here, our sacrifice was for nothing. And they get into this elevator at the last possible second. Find help. Come back. Come back for her. No. She is gone. And they exit the elevator and there's a whole bunch of civilians there that are like looking at these two incredibly clad you know characters um they would stand out like a sore thumb and they start walking up the subway on 51st street she is gone as is my father 
and the portal home destroyed. And we cut to the last page here. There is no going back. And Cap just collapses on the side street against the wall because it's been too much for him. For better or worse, we are stranded here. And Cap, he's just crying. And the title to this one, Bob? Man Further Out of Time. Right. So, you know, he's always been referred to as the man out of time. And that was uh, always like the story, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was this guy from the legend from World War II, and he's a man out of time, uh, and now man further out of time. So it gets into uh, then it shows you know the uh, the different creators here. Um, I don't think I mentioned Claus Jansen and Tom Palmer. I don't remember uh, mentioning Scott Hanna uh, before, but apparently he he also helped ink this. That's not it, Bob. Wait, there's more. There's an epilogue. Mm-hmm. Although it doesn't say epilogue. No. But you know what, Bob? I've read enough comics to know what an epilogue is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Use the fancy language. And it's a dark page with four panels, all of it in black. I wonder how much the inker got for this one, right? <laughs> he, made his, he made his money here. That's a lot of ink. Yeah. Though Steve Rogers played his role in it, the odd war of Dimension Z raged on in his absence. As years passed, the mutates grew in power, regaining their momentum. They moved forward, programmed by Zola to do one thing, to multiply and spread his influence. Though it was never proven, there were rumors among the frocks that Zola survived the war, that he had taken a new body, that his evil grew still. Some said that the battle with Captain America was a part of a greater plot. Others believed these were merely folktales spread at Frock's camps to remind them of what they faced. So we turn the page and we see panels of what's going on in the current time of the battles between the Frocks and the Mutates. The danger should they allow the mutates to rebuild. Stories that serve to remind the frocks that they are the only force that can hold the beasts back. It has fallen to them. And so they fight. Freeing those who have suffered the rule of Zola. A small band of soldiers trained to defend truth, liberty, and justice. And they are not alone. What do we see here, Bob? Uh, you know, it's 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 confusing, Rick. I'll be the first to admit, right? We see uh, we see a line of of soldiers lined up on right and left, and we see uh, a column of of frocks moving between them through a doorway. But but the soldiers guarding them on either side uh, appear to be mutates. Mm-hmm. Well, I think they're they're prisoners. Are they prisoners? I, okay. Yeah, I think I think the 
the guards on either side have these prisoners and I think they're being rescued. Oh, okay. but what do we see in that third panel? Oh, what we see is Captain Zolanda's shield come out of nowhere from side panel stage right as they say in the biz uh into the back of one of the mutate guards and they are not alone rumors also spread among the mutate camps rumors that became legend legend of a warrior demon leading the frocks a ghost the wandering spirit of a man their master had brought here the man who usurped zola with each mutate stronghold defeated, the legend of the wandering spirit grew. And we're seeing the mutates defeated in many cases. And here they are perched on top of pikes. Impaled, yeah. A ghost warrior who could neither be tracked nor injured, who offers hope to the hopeless. A wandering spirit from far beyond who remains on this plane to inspire the common man to stand up against all odds. To always stand up. A man with no name, no face, no home. And you turn to the last page and it's a big gigantic splash as they all have ended with. Mm-hmm. A nomad. <gasps> and there's a big figure there. Now, for a moment there, I thought, is it Sharon? Did she survive? Is she yeah. carrying on? But no, it looks like a grown Ian Rogers. It certainly does, Rick. And it's, he's wearing some sort of suit out of uh, respect to captain america he's got a blue suit with a white star on the chest he's got long white boots and long white gloves and he's using the captain zolia zolandia the the jagged shield um and he's carrying that leading an army of frocks dun 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 uh, that's a pretty good page rick you know who owns that one mm -mm. you don't huh Nope, I sure don't. Hmm. Uh, before we get into our thoughts, yeah, I thought we could read um, Rick Remender's thoughts. All right. Right, because he ended this story and he wrote in the Letters to a Living Legend, he wrote the following. And there you have it. The conclusion to Castaway in Dimension Z. I wrote the story a year or more back, so it's gratifying to see it reach the intended ending and have it out in the world. I don't know how terrific it feels for Steve Rogers, however. I promised we were going to shake up the status quo in a major way for the character, and I feel that we've delivered on this promise. Steve is now a man further out of time. If modern-day America was a strange and alien place for him before, it will be doubly so now. He has spent more time in Dimension Z than in the current era on Earth. And that is not something that he's going to get over anytime soon. On top of the losses that he suffered in Dimension Z and the new addition of Jet Black in his life, Steve has a terrible fight ahead of him, a fight that will not be made easier by the arrival of Nuke in our next issue. 
With the conclusion of the story, we also see the departure of the legendary John Romita Jr. from the series. Most of us who read comic books growing up over the past 30 years have some of our very favorites illustrated by John. Most all of us have a number of favorite runs that were drawn by him, many that stand in our top 10 lists. Hopefully, all of his hard work here will land our Captain America run in one of your top 10 lists. I feel incredibly fortunate to have been able to work with him and the best team in comics. All too often, the effort of the inker, colorist, and letterer go unacknowledged and is a true crime given what they are adding to the page. Klaus Johnson, Tom Palmer, Scott Hanna, Lee Lowridge, Joe Caramanga, and Dean White have propped up this arc on their amazingly talented shoulders. They worked grueling hours to ensure we didn't have any fill-in artists and to maintain a sense of consistency to the series. They were all the very best at what they do. I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge the late nights and hard work of Tom Brevoort, Lauren Sankovich, and Jacob Thomas. Keeping track of a story of this magnitude is no easy feat, and they managed to keep the same team together for 10 issues in a row, and they were always available to me to help craft the tale. Hopefully, their and all of our hard efforts have paid off. And then he ends the letter column with, That's it for now. Join us next issue as legendary penciler Carlos Pacheco joins Claus Jansen and Dean White to reintroduce Miller and Mazzuchelli's nuke to the Marvel Universe. Captain America is shattered and his imminent encounter with the Soldier Supreme of the Vietnam era won't help things. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm just going to put a plug in for episode 66. Go back and listen to that. We covered the next four issues, um, which is Captain America Volume 7, 11 through 14. And so if you think, like, this story is just, ah, it's over, well, no, there's a lot that Steve has to go through based on everything that just happened to him. He, he spent 12 years of his life in dimension Z. And so there's obviously going to be this, this did change him forever. And so, um, yeah, so check that out. Episode 66. If you haven't done that before. All right, Bob, what do you want to do? You want to talk about this story first, or do you want to get into our, uh, favorite, panel t-shirt worthy and time capsule and then get into it i don't know rick i feel like we should talk about the story man. Mm. i mean you know let's do it yeah i, I really like what remenda said here about uh the fact that you know cap has been in dimension z longer than than he has been in in the modern era you know he's referring here of course to the sliding time scale how long steve's been out of the ice and so that idea of a man out of time uh, he, 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 he is now a man doubly out of time, but in a very different way. I mean, if, you, if any of us were to think about, you know, us stepping out of our lives and living our lives for another decade or more, uh, and then stepping back a moment later uh, from when we left, uh, with all of that development, interpersonal development, you know, the physical breakdown of our body. And of course, you know, Cap's body doesn't break down like ours do, but just imagine going back 10 years aged. Right physically, mentally, emotionally, uh, and then stepping back in that moment when you left and, and the world hasn't moved on, 
but you have in many ways. And so mm -hmm. it's almost the complete opposite of what he has experienced over the last decade of his life since, since coming out of the ice. And that's such a clever way uh, to set up um, the next arcs. And, and I, I got to really give Remender credit for this because he could have, it would have been easy just to come out, right. And go back into life. But um, this sets up a whole different dynamic. And I love a man further out of time. It couldn't be said better. So, you know, kudos, kudos to Rick for, uh, not you, Rick, the other Rick, uh, for an amazing launching pad for uh, the rest of this volume. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Uh, I mean, he really, I mean, he listen, he was following Ed Brubaker. He was following what many believe in modern Cap history is, you know, the best writer for Cap and, and the best story arc for Cap and and, uh, you know, he, he had done that for like five plus six, you know, something like that years. He's a tough act to follow. And so you, you, you couldn't do the same thing. You couldn't just make it status quo because then you were always going to be compared to, to Ed Brubaker. So he had to go come in and, and do a complete 180 and, uh, man, mission accomplished, right? This was nothing like the Ed Brubaker run. And yet you know, it was an amazing story. Um, and I, I, I'm a little disappointed that, you know, here it is 10 years later and I, it, it's kind of like a forgotten story, right? You know, I mean, you trust me there, we'll, we'll see as things go on that, there were many things that happened from this, right? We got introduced to Ian Rogers, who became Nomad, who actually will eventually come into, you know, our world, and he's a character, and 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 not only uh, in, you know, the, the the subsequent volume, but also uh, recent volumes, right? When we had uh, Jackson and Colin, you know, when they were writing uh, that volume of Captain America: Sentinel of Liberty. You know, he was a major character. Uh, Jet Black, as we will see, is, you know, an important character. And then Sharon makes her way back, but she's changed after, you know. So it it did really affect, um, you know, these, these characters. Uh, but the whole man at a further out of time, you know, I, I would have liked to have seen that played out a little bit longer. Or maybe it did, and I'm just not remembering. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think they they followed it through uh, to the extent that they could have really used that and explored mm -hmm. it, um, which is unfortunate, as as you said. Um, you know, a couple of the things I liked about this tale too, Rick, is you know I'm a sucker for a redemption story. So mm -hmm. uh, you know, Jet Black will have her own journey, but at least within the context of this arc, uh, there was that redemption story, uh, and and I love that. I mean, I, I I can't get enough of those, and I love when when Steve. Uh, is the vehicle of that redemption. He's mm -hmm. the, the the moral force, um, that voice of reason, uh, that turns people from the dark side to the light side. If I can use a you know a Star Wars metaphor, mm -hmm. uh, and he's done this time and again throughout you know the the Cap mythos, and this is just one more time when he's done that. So I love that, and I love the other the other theme. I, I think at least for me anyway is this is this theme of of persistence and determination. 
So it reminds me of uh, one of my favorite quotes, Calvin Coolidge, uh, President uh, Calvin Coolidge, who, who said that nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education alone will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. And what Coolidge was saying is that you can have all these other skills, you can have knowledge, experience, you can have good breaks, but mm -hmm. persistence alone is the uh, and determination are the things that will get you through the hardest points in your life. And that's what we see time and time again, uh, uh, Steve. Uh, demonstrate uh, throughout this entire arc. And I think that's an important lesson, you know, not just in the, in the context of comics, but for all of us, and which is why Cap is, is such a great exemplar for us to, to look at uh, when we have struggles in our own lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well put. I like that quote. Yeah, I would love to get uh, Rick Remender on the show and talk about it. Unfortunately, I don't think it's, I think he's moved on and he doesn't really want to reminisce these this this volume but yeah um but i i would love to just kind of hear from him on you know some of the things like did he feel mission accomplished um because in my mind it totally was you know on and his idea to come in here and uh forever change the status quo of captain america um it was it was a great story filled with a lot of i think important moments like if you remember the first half of this this story arc was constantly going back to his childhood, uh, you know, in, in during uh, the 1940s, and so we got to see him as a as a as a youth in losing his mom, and and, and you see him, um, you know, going up against bullies, and and uh, you got to see him as a character, and it was that was a, a great part of the story that I think we forget about, right? Because that was kind of more in the first half. Right. Um, but those flashback scenes, I, I really appreciated those too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, the one thing, uh, the one loose end for me, and there's probably more than one loose end, but the one that stands out for me that, that continues to bug me is we don't know the origin of that bullet. Mm. Right. The diligence bullet that he carried yeah. around for so many years and finally used to uh, plunge into into Zola's faceplate. We, we don't know where that came from. And, and I don't know. Uh, maybe there was a, a plan to reveal that information, but I cannot for the life of me figure out if it ever was revealed. I certainly don't recall it. And, and that to me is, a, is one of those loose ends that just keeps you know, kind of tickling you in ways that like, man, that bugs me. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, I have my bullet, so uh, I'm very. I knew where my origin of my diligence bullet came from. Alaska. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> um. All right, Bob. Well, you know what? Is there anything else you want to talk about as far as uh the, this overall story arc, or do you want to just get into this issue real quick? Yeah. Well, no. I one thing is I am looking forward to seeing how Jet Black's attire might evolve. <laughs> Now that she has a whole world of potential fabric shops. so Yeah, I would think she's also <laughs> going to be a little bit overwhelmed to living in our world with you know the amount of people and everything. It's not as desolate. You know, if her, her skin is so uh, omniscient, you right. know, as, yeah. as we, you know, she right. might have to cover up more. She might have to cover up more just to, to insulate herself from that constant bombardment of, uh, of sensory uh, stimulation. She's got to go with like the Mormon look. 
Yes. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. Good. Would it? <laughs> Not really. No. Okay. <laughs> All right, Bob, you go first. Uh, do you have a favorite panel? I do, Rick. I'm going to go with uh, with page 11, that uh, top, uh, that I think it's about a half page splash. It's the one where uh, Jet Black and Steve are on the Sky Cycle and they're heading straight up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Steve has, uh, has grasped Sharon in, uh, with his, uh, with his mm-hmm. left arm and he's mm-hmm. holding her with Zola's gigantic behemoth reaching up and you can see his hands closing in on both sides of the sky cycle and his wide mm-hmm. gaping mouth, you know, almost swallowing, you know, trying to swallow Sharon. I, I think that's a great action panel with, with a lot of detail, um, but you can almost feel the momentum of what's going on. Yeah. No, that's a cool panel. I like that. I do like that. Uh, yeah. Page 11. So um, for me, the uh, favorite panel is going to be two pages before that. It's the third, it's it's the, I guess it's page nine, um, and it's the third panel. And you see just an up-close looking of Steve, and he's looking up to Black, and he says, knew you'd come around. I, I just like that. Nice I, I, yeah. I, I, you know what I mean? Like, like Steve, he, he, he felt like it was a good moment for Steve. He hasn't had very many good moments, but it was his judgment of Jet's character, and he was correct. And he is also, I think, personally pleased for Jet that she is making the right choice here. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I just, it was a, it was a little brief positive moment in, in a very bleak story. And so, uh, that's a, that's my favorite panel. All right. Well, that's a good choice. Uh, I love that as well. So well done. Thank you. How about, how about, uh, how about t-shirt? You got anything that you want to slap on a t-shirt? Slap it. <laughs> yeah. You know, about, I think I'm going to go, I'm trying to see what page this is. <clears throat> But it's when he jumps onto the the sky cycle to to go up against Captain Zolandia, and he says, "I'll buy you some time." Ah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I like that panel. Um, right. So I think it's uh, page five. It's the last panel, mm-hmm. and it's the it's the one where the two shields collide against each other. So that's a cool action scene. Yeah. I'll put that on a t-shirt. All right. I was going to go for that one too, Rick, but for an entirely different reason. Um, I'll tell you which one I'm going to go for in a minute, but uh, my backup, but uh, I love that one because I love the captain's Zola. First of all, it's great that you're right. The action, the two shields, mm-hmm. you know, um, colliding, but I love captain Zolandia saying, yes, let us finish the great debate to me as an intellectual, you know, mm-hmm. I love, I love that. And I love the fact that repeatedly throughout their engagements, there has been a bit of a debate about you know the sanctity of memory and how they you know individually remember their mother and the mother's reaction, uh, and of course these are you know genetic imprints. Not that that Zolanda was ever birthed by by mm-hmm. uh, you know Steve's mom, but I I love that relationship that they have uh, that there is a debate going on uh, between these two in addition to the physical violence of their of their conflict. So I mean you would I, think as mutate 
that he's a mutate, right? Most of them kill drill, tender, bur- tender murder, you know? Mm-hmm. But Zolandi is a little bit different. He, he's actually got a little bit of a mental faculty where he can engage in this sort of conversation, debate with, with Steve. And, and mm-hmm. he's doing it in a way that is manipulative, right? Trying to get under his skin, which, which raises that level of, of cognition to even a higher level. So I find that, I find that interesting. Yeah, was there was there a something referenced to the Great Debate during World War II? Yeah, uh, the Great Debate in World War II. I, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not the first time I've heard that yeah, expression. That right. Yeah. Um, I think uh, if you think Great Debate, I, I often think of uh, for some for whether correct or otherwise uh, the debates that went on between Stephen Douglas and and, and Lincoln. The Lincoln Douglas debates in uh, mm-hmm. uh, the issue of slavery. So I don't know if that's what it's referring to, sort of obliquely, but um, in any case, I think it's an interesting relationship. Got it. Yeah. All right. So what is going on a T-shirt for you then, Bob? All right. Well, I'm going to have to go uh, a couple panels up, Rick, with uh, Captain Zolandia on his sky cycle, leading the mutates on their sky mm. cycles behind him, and when he says atrocity is her right of birth. So mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of a fun shirt. You know, I might want Zolandia on my shirt. Uh, it's, it's, it's quirky. Okay. Yeah. No worse than having a red skull shirt, I guess. So that's true. All right. Yeah. All right. I like it. I like yeah. it. Uh, what's going in your time capsule, Bob? All right, Rick. Well, this was a tough one. You know, these seem to be getting harder and harder. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am going to go with uh, the very last page. page oh, you suck. Of the main story. <laughs> are you thinking the first panel Go are ahead. you thinking are you thinking the individual uh in the background with her cell phone raised taking a photo of of jet black and um uh, mm-hmm. and and steve and so i'm uh, probably for the same reason i am that we hope that that phenomenon gets jammed into a time capsule and uh, we start to see less and less of that but i don't think that's going to be the case but one can hope you know uh you say that, and, and you know, this phenomenon, and um, this is how my mind works. Ready? Mm-hmm. Phenomenon. <laughs> do, 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 do. Phenomenon. Do, 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 do. <laughs> oh, someone's punch drunk. Yeah, right. Pushing ten o'clock, folks. He's getting getting tired. Yeah. Um. <laughs> all right. That's cool. I like that. Good job for the time time castle. I'm gonna go with um. The very, very last page, the introduction of Ian as an adult and nomad. Excellent. I think that goes into a time capsule because it's the first time we are seeing Ian as a nomad, as an adult. Yeah. And and, and as you point out earlier, he becomes uh, an important character, uh, one that has a bigger and bigger role as we head into the Sentinel of Liberty series and Symbol of Truth. And uh, Cold War eventually, I think. And uh, and then who who knows where, where he'll turn up again. Yeah. I mean, also, wasn't he all uh, in the the Hydra Cap series for a little bit, too? Uh, I think he did make an appearance in that. Okay. Yes. He definitely yeah. is. He makes an appearance at the end of this volume, volume seven. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Not to give anything away. No, but... no, no, no. Yeah. All right, Bob. Well, as always, it has been real fun wrapping cap with you. I can't wait to jump into something new.
the next time we visit a, a, a story arc, Rick. So I can't, what do you got in mind? Do you have any thoughts? Oh, you know, don't yeah, tell me that, now. That's a good point. We're going to have to put that up to a vote on, in the Facebook group of what is our next long tail story that we're going to do. So something that's, you know, at least six issues uh, or more, something that we can't do, you know, uh, in a one or two episodes back to back, you know what I mean? So something we want to, do that. Um, I don't know, Bob. There's so many good choices out there. I think we need to to throw it out there to uh, the Facebook group, but we'll put a poll up. Oh, I like it. A great idea. All right. Well, he's Bob Lucius. I'm Rick Verbonis, and you have been listening to another episode of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. <laughs> Reminds me of a, uh, um, there's a, a comedian we really like is, um, um, hold on. Oh God, what is his name? Sorry. Hey, Meg. What's the name of that comedian that we uh, we love that we just saw with the kids? Thank you. So that totally reminds me of like a Mike Birbiglia skit 